Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Today is Palm Sunday. What's interesting is I'm going to read one passage here and just kind of make your mind go poo for a second. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be seven weeks, 49 years, 62 weeks plus the seven, 49, would be 483. The street shall be built again and the wall and even troublesome times. The Messiah shall come. And this was 445 B.C. when they declared to build the wall. Sir Robert Anderson calculated using the lunar year, which is 30 days a month. And I'm not going to give all the math because I did not go over this in my head. This is just memory. But it's 483 years. But if you take it from 445 and do the lunar years of 360 days a year, it ends up being what they've calculated, Sir Robert Anderson, that this very day on Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes, Riding on a donkey, the very day that Daniel prophesied. Amazing, isn't it? Now that, I'm going to do something a little different. So you're going to have to hold on to your seats in a lot of this. But first, what I want you to do, if you would, stand up. I'm going to read a couple passages. The first one I'm going to read in Matthew 21. second one will be Luke 19. And then we'll just keep going back and forth to all the Gospels. So I just want you to get a, a, a view of this, if you will. Starting in verse 1 in Matthew 21, it says, Now when the day drew near, they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her, so a mom and a baby. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid the clothes on them, set him on them, and again, it's not at the same time, because that's kind of what the people are confused about that. It means they gave basically the baby donkey a rest at times, and he wrote also the, the mama. And very great multitudes spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. In the highest, Hosanna means saved now. And then, and when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, Galilee. Now, reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, starting at verse 29, we pick it up also. Actually, we'll start on verse 28. And when he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage, and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, 
that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. And where you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Those, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of them. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then he who was drawing near descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you the truth. If these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Let's pray. Father, we just pray for insight and truth. We pray that you'd help us to grow and understand. We pray, Lord, that we would be lit on fire by your Spirit to desire with fervency to have fellowship with you in a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. Let us start now, Lord. Let us be a part of that group that understands what it truly means to shout Hosanna. Bless this day, Father. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, again, some people will look at that and say, that's a contradiction. Well, Luke was just giving the facts. Just the facts. Take the facts. It was the colt. It was that donkey that was so significant. I'm going to go through eight different couplings of this three times, okay? It was the donkey, as you've noticed. The donkey signified really a king that would come in peace, but still to a Roman it would be kind of humorous. Why not a horse? This is the king to conquer, why not a horse? Why not a white stallion? No, he rode a donkey. Why? To fulfill that prophecy we just talked about. It's spoken in Zechariah. See, at this very time, as I read from Daniel, the king was coming. Here's Zechariah. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. He will bring peace. But see, what Israel was looking for was they were looking for a king, number two, a king. A king to reign, a king to bring, if you will, a peace for them separated from the Roman Empire. How they get this? Well, just many passages, but let me just read one to you. Actually, I'll read Daniel 7.14 rather than the longer one. It says, Then to him, Jesus Christ, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one in which shall not be destroyed. So, see, this is what the Jews were waiting for, the Messiah to come. But what they expected was him to come riding really on a white horse and freeing them from all the oppression from the nations. 
Because they know there's enough passages in the Old Testament that spoke of that the Messiah would come and all the nations would come and pay homage to him. And that Israel would be would blossom and bloom and they would they would really, if you will, they would have the containment. No, that's not the right word I want. They would actually rule over their nation and the spread fullness that was promised them. Meaning they didn't have all the land that God promised them. In fact, if you would read back, God told them, I think it was in Deuteronomy, he said, you're not going to conquer all the land at first. Now, they, they did get on the west side of the Jordan, and they got some of the east side, but it was really supposed to go to the Euphrates. It was supposed to go way out there. It never happened. And it was supposed to go further north and further south. And the reason God said it, because if you took over the land, then the wild animals would take over. And you're not ready for that. And they never... The closest they had was in Solomon's time. But they never did reign over all that. They were expecting that. They were expecting a king to come. A king to take care of them. And if you will, in, in Matthew, we already read this, but they also understood that Hosanna, the son of David, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew that it would come from the lineage of David. So they understood that, again, the king was going to come and the king was going to reign. And it was come from the son of David. The lineage of that, which would also bring it to he would be the messianic title from Abraham. So he went from Abraham, okay, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but really the big names to remember is this Abraham, Judah, David. That's the Messiah. Abraham, Judah, David. But see, for Judah, they also understood this. That over Judah it was prophesied, you, Judah, are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you, Judah. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. They were expecting a king that would be a lion. And that he would reign forever and ever. But I want you to take note of something. In Luke 19.37, it says that he descended down from the Mount of Olives. He's coming down. See, from the Mount of Olives, if you will, there's a valley, a Kidron Valley. And if you will, you, you look from the Mount of Olives, you see, you see Jerusalem. And you see the Temple Mount. You see the Temple. So Jesus is up on a hill, the Mount of Olives, and again, what they call hills a lot of times mountains. And he descends down as he sees Jerusalem up here now, as he's coming down the hill. And he'll go into the Kidron Valley and then back up again. And in Matthew 21, 8, we also understand something else. That a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road and they cut down branches trees to honor him and that's what you do is pay homage we learn in john that it was palm branches some believe it was also also from the willow tree but they would lay it down and again making the path smooth for the king the lion to come 
riding through. In Luke 19, 38, 30, and 40, we also learn this. It said that the, the stones would cry out. The stones themselves would cry out if everyone, if everyone else was silent. Picture that. Humanity, and this is something we've been talking a lot about um, Thursday nights and Wednesday nights, is the, is the interesting thing about creation is, is as vast as it is, how wonderful it is and the magnificent that these things are. Do you know the crown of God's creation is you and me? It's humanity. That's the wonder of it. But what Jesus is saying is here, the crown of my creation doesn't even recognize who I am. And if they were to be silent, the stones, creation itself would cry out. Because they would understand who I am. Even when humanity does not. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, we didn't quite read this far. But, when Jesus came and the next day he was in the Temple Mount, he was healing people. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, but they also noticed that the children were crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? The children knew who he was. Children's faith is, is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a thing that you can't deny. You have to basically push it. You have to teach it. You have to pull it out of them for them not to believe that there's a God. It's funny because the simpleness of a child is they just look and they see the wonders of creation and they know that there had to be a creator. But see, Jesus was also quoting from a passage in Psalm 8. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. So we have stones, we have creation crying out, and we have the children crying out. Amazing and wonder. Of it all, but the second aid is now I'm going to flip it on you a little bit. Because see, where it says the stones cried out, let me read that passage to you actually in its fullness. It says, Now as they drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. He says, If you had known, even you especially in this day, Jerusalem, the things that make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation from here. Now, well, what does this bring us to? Just an interesting, if you will, economy. Uh, oxymoron, if you will, or a separation, a contrast, better yet. 
See, creation's crying out to be delivered. We learn this too in the song. But the Creator Himself cries because He sees the predicament of humanity. He sees the predicament of Israel rejecting their Messiah. The children we saw recognized who He was, but the interesting thing is, just like as I started the passage, they should have known the day of His visitation. And the religious rulers rejected Him. They didn't recognize Him. A lion presenting Himself as a lamb. See, this is the very day that a family would choose a lamb for the Passover. The children of Israel were expecting the lion, the king. The Creator came as a humble servant who presented Himself as the Lamb. That soon on the day of, if you will, of the sacrifice that He would give Himself. The Lion is the Lamb. In Isaiah 53, 7. So many passages here. Excuse me for a second. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he not opened his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. So we have the stones that cry out, but we also see that the Creator himself cried. We see that the children recognized who he was, but the rulers did not. We see a lion desiring, the people desiring to rule. But he actually presented himself as a lamb. But he was a king, was he not? No, again, yes, he is a king, but that's not the way he presented himself. Again, we go to Isaiah 53. He says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And we see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Presenting himself as the Lamb, he also acknowledged himself as the man of sorrow. And the people were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna! That's good, right? Well, a lot of these people are the same people that in the week We're saying, crucify Him. Crucify Him. We saw that He descended from the Mount of Olives. From there, He could see the view of Jerusalem. The 
just within that week, we see something else too that happens. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And he said, and John himself, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Signifying what type of death. And he said, okay. Talking about Calvary. No. Calvary's a mountain. No, it's a hill. It's a hill of the skull. But see, he descended one mountain to be raised up on another. The Lamb. The Man of Sorrows. We learn that they cut down branches and trees and laid the path to honor him. They also cut down a tree and hung him on it. Anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Paul in Galatians says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. What is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Peter says it this way, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. He rode on a donkey. Next time it will be a horse. We find this in Revelation. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is righteous and true. He is just. And he's coming. Salvation is over. Judgment now comes. It's righteous for him to do so. He should have came that way the first time, but he didn't. He didn't. He should have came as the lion, but he should have devoured everybody. (laughs) He should have wiped out all humanity, for creation itself would cry out, they're fickle. You too, I am, we're fickle. How'd you wake up this morning? Happy or sad? Glad to get up? Or mourning that you had to get up? What a morning, a morning. See, we we were so fickle, we changed so quickly. He could have just gave up. But he didn't. See, the last I'll share with you is that he did cry. Why? Because he fully understands and cares for humanity. One of the beautiful passages in the Bible is just two words. It was at a funeral. And Jesus was there. And he looked and saw the hopelessness of mankind. And the depth of their sorrow. And Jesus wept. See, He does understand us. 
He understands that we are weary and scattered sheep having no shepherd. So he identified with us as being a man of sorrows. In Philippians, that great passage says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He's a man who identifies with us. A lamb that he gave himself for us. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace, Paul writes, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Even though he knew man, he knows how fickle we are. It's amazing. You can see this every day. You can see it, but just how people idolize sports heroes or actors or people that play. Isn't that funny? I think it's because we want to play, you know. It's so fun. We see people playing sports. Well, I'd like to do that for a living. Just play. I was on a ball field for the first time in a long time. And just there was some senses that were starting to percolate in me from my past. I spent many times on a ball field, and they were still there. I thought they were dead. And then it was amazing how it just came alive. And then I wanted to take each one of those kids and say, have fun, because this is the only time you'll get to do this and not have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Because it's called responsibility. Have fun. Play. But it's interesting because really what it comes down to is people will praise an athlete when he makes the shot or hits the home run at the right time. But man, they sure do know how to boo him when they miss the shot or they strike out. A hero one moment, a goat the next. That's the way we are. And sadly to say, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it's how we worship. Praise you, Lord, when things are going well, but when things aren't going so well, where are you, Lord? Fickle as we are. Still, even in that, even though he knows humanity, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of men, for he knew what was in them. And even in that, we find that he still hung on a tree willingly for us. Even then, they were still wagging their tongues at him, saying, Oh, you've saved others. Save yourself. Jump down. Come on down. Save us while you're at it. Those that were praising him, saying, Hosanna, and then they said, crucify him. And then they came and just, just watched the show. Many, I believe, came there going to see if he was going to do something. I mean, he healed people. Maybe he could. Maybe he could jump off that cross. They would believe in him. 
to their death. But still, knowing the fickleness of man, he still went, went through with it. Amazing. See, he raised himself up to draw all men to himself. That in staring at him, they would realize their own failures and sin and folly and hopelessness. And if I am lifted up, he says in John, then the earth will draw all peoples to myself. So when we jump into Revelation, they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Amazing. What else can we learn from this? Well, the passage about him being fulfilling in Matthew about riding the donkey. He's riding a donkey. Because it was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. But see, it was also prophesied in Daniel that this would be the day of his visitation. But they were looking for a king. They were looking for the lion. But they didn't realize it was the lamb to be slain. It was the lamb to be slain to bring up a kingly, priestly people. Amazing. Even though he knows how fickle you and I are. But that's what he did. To fulfill all things. To fulfill the promises that were given. And so again we come together and we have to look at these passages. But it comes back down to do we understand the promises given to us. For all the promises of God are in Christ, are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee that you and I can now cry out, not just Hosanna because we've been saved, But now we can cry out, Abba, Father. Amazing. Amazing. I know you're saying, that's still hard. I know. Many still don't believe. I know. He's made it difficult. No, he hasn't. It seems like me and a ball field. All I had to do is just go back in time. It's amazing as you get older that you can re- truly remember things as a child. You think that that would leave you, but even people that start to have dementia, it's interesting the, the, the memories of what they just ate for lunch is gone, but they can tell you about things in the past. And I'd be sitting there with my mom, and she would give me these stories so clear, so crystal in her mind of what happened when she was a little girl. It was like a story being played out right before my eyes. 
Though again, she couldn't remember what she had for lunch. She couldn't even remember the episode of the Waltons that she just watched for the 15th time. As if it was new each time. But boy, she could tell you what it was like to be a little girl. Jesus called the little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom. If we could do this, do what? Wake up every morning with an understanding. You're a child. A child that should walk through this creation with wonder. That this God that created everything would come and give himself in his visitation as a lamb. A man of sorrows to identify with us. Allowing his creation to hang him on a tree. And lift him up so that he can say, I love you. Will you come? It's too grand. It's too simple. But it's the truth. I know. You might have blown it this week. I don't deserve it, you might say. When your children sin, you punish them. Do they ever question your love for them? No. Not if you're a half-decent parent. Children are very forgiving. Very understanding. Very loving. No, it's, it's, it's what's given to them as a parent. You give them what's called an unconditional love. Oh, it's tested, especially when they become teenagers. But it's there. It doesn't change. You love them. See, it's just, again, a snapshot. God does this all over the place for us to see. That's what he describes and says, that's how I love you. You can understand that, can't you? I love you that way. Not to squish you, not to squash you. But to save you and to teach you. Uh, you would understand that the promises I've given you this day is still good tomorrow, the next, the next, the next. That when we come together, especially like on a day on Palm Sunday, and we again rejoice, we rejoice in this, this lion that's a lamb. 
we remind ourselves, we remember the simpleness of our faith. Because it's all in Him. It's not what you know, as the old saying goes. It's who you know. If you can say you know Him this morning, then you have it all. One final note. It has to be said. The white horse that He comes on. That white horse that He comes in judgment. That white horse that He comes to rule and reign forever and ever. There's an interesting passage in Jude. It goes like this. Jude chapter 1, verse 14. I'm sorry. Came up Judges 1.14, and that's not the passage. In Jude 1.14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. In a nutshell, they didn't believe Him as a child. In completion, you and I come down with Him. What a spectacle. What an amazing thing. What a magnificent thing. What a truth. And you shall reign with him. Just because you came as a child. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning and again for this gracious, wonderful, powerful reminder of who you are. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our sins and forgive us for our confusion at times. Forgive us for being like the children of Israel. Expecting you to move a certain way. Not allowing you to be the God truly does love and care for us. Has our best interests in mind. Regardless of what we're going through. Forgive us. We thank you. We give you the praise that we truly can say Hosanna because you have saved us. You have saved us. It's co-heirs with you. Children of the living God transformed into the image 
of our Lord and Savior. Lord, my prayer for each of us is that we remember what it's like to be a child. Live every day expecting that you would do something wonderful in our lives. Oh, maybe not what we expect, but the anticipation that it is good. Always good. You're always at work. You've identified with us. You empathize with us. You love us. You have compassion over us. The work that you've completed on the cross is a work that continues in our life. We have been crucified with you. We no longer live, but you live within us. Help us to yield to this in a day-to-day moment by moment experience. And truly, Lord, understanding our own fickleness, help us to rise above regardless of how we feel or we we even think of ourselves or others. But I pray for each of us that our hearts and minds would be focused on You. That You, as You created us to be the center of Your creation, that You are the center of all that is, that shall ever be. That You deserve not only our praise, not only our homage, but You deserve it all. And as we come to this Passion Week as we celebrate truly what You did on that cross for us and that You came out of that tomb. I pray for each of us that there would be a fervency, that there would be a fire, that Your life would come alive in each of us. Maybe for the first time we would understand that we truly are a new creation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 